0: Good morning and welcome to Sunlight Christian Center, located in downtown Orange. Let's join Pastor Joe and the worship service in progress. A preacher's job is a unique job. During the week, I have to deal with a passage of scripture that I am trusting God to take and break it down in such a way that you'll be able to leave here with something really significant. Today, I want to talk about the promise and the problem. It would be wonderful if we could have a choice but nobody has a choice you get the promise but it comes with a problem it would be nice if we could remove the problem from the promise but the way God has arranged things in fact think about this when you get to heaven you will have all the promises if you went to hell you will have all of the problems. Only on earth the promise and the problem are interwoven together. Would well, be nice to be able to separate, but you can't. Can't separate. You've got to deal with the problem as well as the promise. And that's a difficult thing for us to get into our minds and, and come to terms with because there's something inside of us that is attracted to the promise and repels from the problem. But you can't really separate them, they come together. My text this this morning is in Numbers, the 13th chapter, starting with verse 27. I wanna give you the background. The children of Israel, the Jews, have been taken out of Egyptian bondage by Moses. In his leadership, he carries them through the wilderness. They have been traveling in a hot, dusty wilderness for two years, over two years. They finally get to a place called Kadesh Barnea, which is next to the Holy Land, and they decide they're gonna send some spies out. I don't know if they went to spy school, but they got all of their uh, information uh, how they would take the pictures and the drawings and the statistics, but they went to the Holy Land as spies, incognito, so they could bring back a report to Moses and the children of Israel as to what they found. They came back, and this is what they said. Then they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and that means it's a land of prosperity. And this is its fruit. They brought back grapes, pomegranates, some of the fruit that the Holy Land produced. And this fruit that they brought back is a symbol of the promise of God. It's God's promise. It's like you get a foretaste. They didn't get it all. They just get a little taste of the fruit. They get to see it. They get to understand what's out there in the Holy Land. Whenever the Lord deals with us, whenever he begins to work in our lives, he always comes with a promise. The promise gives us an incentive to deal with what's coming next. So as an example, Abraham was told, I will bless you and I'll make you a blessing. Joseph was told, you're going to be a ruler. People will bow down before you had a dream. But then after the promise comes the what? Problem. And the problem is seen in Abraham's life as Abraham takes his family in obedience to God and he walks into a land of famine. GOD GAVE HIM A PROMISE, I WILL BLESS YOU, AND HE WALKS INTO FAMINE. JOSEPH WAS TOLD HE'S GOING TO BE A LEADER, A RULER. AND WHEN NEXT YOU TURN AROUND, HIS BROTHERS ARE HATING HIM AND THEY'RE SELLING HIM INTO SLAVERY. SO THE PROMISE THAT GOD GIVES US AND THE PROBLEM THAT COMES NEXT GO HAND IN HAND. I WISH IT WAS SOME OTHER WAY, BUT THAT'S THE WAY IT IS. VERSE 27, NEVERTHELESS, SAY THAT WITH ME, NEVERTHELESS. The less. Say it again. Nevertheless. Again, never, whenever you see that word in Scripture, and you will find it. Sometimes it comes out like, but. And then, moreover, it's always uh, uh, a stop sign in the roadway that says, uh-oh, this is where the problem is introduced. But I want you to use your thinking this morning because some of the problems that we face are not visible. They happen to be in the area of invisibility. I want you to go with me as the spies now report what it is they've seen. I want to you to see the problem for what it really is and for what it's not. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. That's not the problem. And because God never sent us out except this way. Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as lambs among what? Wolves. Wolves are stronger than lambs. So wherever God sends you, he's sending you into a challenge. The problem is not that the people are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. That's not the problem. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, if if you don't know this part about the scripture then you don't know that the descendants of Anak were people who were giants people who who stood about eight or nine feet tall you know the most famous giant of them all his name is Goliath these are the descendants of Anak but giants are no problem to God because God is bigger than any giant that you will ever see The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, but that's really not the problem. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, but that's not the problem. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan, but that's not the problem. The fact is that the spies came back and reported that the enemy was everywhere, north, east, south, and west in the holy land, but... That's really not the problem. The spies said and they are stronger than we. That's not the problem. So what is the problem? They said and there we saw the giants. Sometimes when you see something that's big and foreboding and intimidating, it seems like you you never forget it and you keep remembering and you keep repeating the giants we saw the giants but that's still not the problem. What we need to do is to see the real problem because in seeing the real problem, we will find the help that we need as we walk out of here today. Maybe we'll get the kind of help that we really need. Here is the problem. Are you ready for it? We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. The problem was not visible. It was invisible. When the enemy comes, the enemy strikes us within. Too often what we have done is that we're looking at what we believe is the problem as some tangible thing out there. We see the problem and the truth of the matter. Even people, sometimes we see this person. If you want to know who the problem is, it's him, Mr. So-and-so. It's Sister so and That's who the problem is in my life. And the truth of the matter is that our warfare is not against flesh and blood. But there's something else that's going on. The real battle takes place right here inside. Because when the enemy attacks the enemy attacks you in the area of your thinking. He attacks you in the area where you have been contemplating, where you are wondering. Something is going on in the invisible realm in your mind. That's where the enemy attacks. So the question is, when the spies came back and they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, the question, and because it's, a, it's an ancient story, but that ancient story means nothing unless it has some practical purpose today. The, the question is, how do you see yourself? When you look in a mirror, and I mean this figuratively, do you see a grasshopper? Is that the kind of a person that you imagine yourself to be? Let's take a look at the grasshopper. The grasshopper has strong back legs. In fact, the grasshopper can leap 20 times its own size. And the reason is because its back legs are powerful. But Its arms are weak. So when the grasshopper confronts a problem, the grasshopper is good at hopping away. It doesn't confront. There are some folk, there are some saints, there are some Christians who are good at running away from their problem. But because their arms are weak, they're not willing to confront issues so they rather run away. That, my brothers and sisters, is the grasshopper mentality. When we are more prone to run away from the problem than to actually stand in front of that problem and face it head on, we are like grasshoppers. When the spies came back and they said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight, what they really were saying is, there's something inside of us that's so afraid that we're not willing to confront the enemy. We are feeling like grasshoppers. So when we look at ourselves, we see grasshoppers. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Is it, 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 to me, it's an amazing thing that, that, that I think the church is it's a wonderful place to come to, because in the church is where you get truth. You are supposed to get unadulterated, pure gospel truth. And there are people that will shun the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. But when when you hear the truth and you really, really hear the truth, you discover how powerful it is. Because it is true that as a man or woman thinks, what we are thinking, what we allow to live in our head, what we continue to think of when we think about ourselves, that is what we become. And if we pump fear and doubt And anger and stress and distress and discouragement and depression, if we keep pumping it in, it's the only thing that comes out. And therefore, we end up with a mentality, I ain't nothing but a grasshopper. But the truth of the matter is, that's not true. Who lied? The question that you've got to answer and I've got to answer. Who lied? Who told you? that you were less than what God said you were. Who, what, what, maybe it was at home. Maybe you grew up in a dysfunctional family and maybe there was somebody in the home that was domineering and controlling and somehow made you believe that you were, and they lied because that's not really who you are. Where did you get that information? Was it at home? Was it at work? Maybe a coworker kept telling you things until finally you started believing or, or in some relationship or, or at school somewhere? Where did we hear that we were grasshoppers, who lied to us? Because the word of God tells us that we are God's treasure. In fact, God says, "You are my peculiar treasure." And normally when we think of peculiar, we think you're weird. But that's not what the word peculiar means in Scripture. When when God's Word says you are a peculiar treasure, that means you are a special treasure, the kind of treasure that you carefully keep and you protect because it's special. When God says you are my peculiar treasure, he's saying you're special. How did the devil, listen, how did the devil slip past God's Word and deposit in our heart that we're grasshoppers? How did he do that? God says that we're the apple of his eye. How did the devil get in there and mess up what it is that God said? The Word of God tells us that we're created in God's image. How did did the enemy get inside and convince us that we are less than what it is that God said? Why is it that we have believed what others have told us and we have dismissed what God says? The enemy is after your thoughts. He's not after your money. He's not after your car. He's not after your home. What the devil really wants is your thoughts. Because if he can get into your head and control your thoughts, he's got everything. Everything that you've got is his, if he can get into your thoughts. Because when he gets into your mind, this is what he does. In fact, if you want to know what the devil's fingerprints look like, if you want to know what his smudge marks look like, this is what it looks like. When a devil gets into your head, he fills you with condemnation. He fills you with guilt. He fills you with shame. He fills you with discouragement. He fills you with depression. He fills you with low self-esteem. Whenever you find those things inside of your head, you're looking at the devil's work because what God wants to put into your head is so much different than what a devil tries to slip into our minds. Who lied to you and would you like to change your thinking I mean change I'm talking about I don't want to wake up in the morning feeling oh God it's morning I want to be able to wake up in the morning and say Lord it's morning I wonder what exciting thing is there for me today would you like to change the way you think would you like to see yourself differently then you see I'm talking about the way God sees you not some man-made thing, not something that somebody's created and designed for you. No, I'm talking about would you like to start thinking the way God wants you to think and to see what it is that God sees so we can start thinking differently than we think? What I want to do is I want to give you three steps this morning. They're simple steps. In fact, when I start talking about these steps, you're going to think they're even silly. But don't leave. Don't anybody leave until I'm finished because... By the time I'm finished, I think that what I've got to tell you is uh, even though simple, is going to be profound. So are you ready with this? First step to change the way you're thinking. Don't ever take grapes for granted. When the spies came back, they brought grapes. In fact, the grapes that they brought were so heavy, it took two men to carry them. So this is just a sampling of the grapes. What does grapes have to do with changing your thinking? It's easy for us to take grapes for granted. I'll tell you why. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they had spent at least two years trudging in hot, dusty sand. Two years deprived. Two years in a desert eating nothing but manna and water, bread and water. That's what they did. And so when the grapes came, the grapes were like a delicacy. The grapes, wow, this is like a treat. The grapes were a dessert. It's easy for us to forget the little things that God sends along our way, like a little grape. And the reason why I'm using grapes this morning is because it seems so odd and seems kind of ridiculous that a sermon would be, preached around a grape. And God says, but, but if you're listening carefully, the day is going to come. It could be tomorrow, the next week, next month. You'll be sitting around at a table or at a restaurant, and you'll be picking up a grape, and you will not forget what it is that you're about to hear. Are you ready? Easy for us to forget the little things that God has blessed us with. Little things like a grape. God has made promises to you that are sweet. Little promises God blesses us every morning with a promise that he fulfills in our lives. For instance, you woke up this morning. How many here woke up? Is that a blessing? You put shoes on your feet this morning. Is that right? Was that a blessing? It's easy for us to forget to praise God for little things like grapes. If you put your hand in your pocket, you might have a couple of bucks. Is that a blessing? Maybe we should take up the offering again because I don't want anybody to leave here with a (laughs) gift. Isn't there something that you can be thankful for, God? Things that we can easily take for granted? You got in your car, and you turned on the ignition, and it started. Is that right? Because if it didn't, you got here some other way. And you can be thankful about whatever way you got here. All right? When you got here, you sat down, and you're sitting on a seat. Is that a little thing to be thankful for? By the way, the seats are padded. They could be hard rocks, but they are padded. That's a simple little thing. Isn't that easy for us to take for granted? I know it is for me. The fact that I got shoes on my feet, I got clothes on my back, I got a roof over my head, I got food in my stomach, I have a God that loves me, there's a sun that's shining outside, I came to church and there were drums. Not only were there drums, but there were drummers who played those drums. And we have a sound crew that's operating everything that's going on so that you can hear me and then you can see the things that are flashing on the the screen. Isn't that something? Will we just stop for a minute just to thank God for the fact that this is something that God has given us? It's like, I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to thank you for the little things that are in my life. God's given us little things. It's easy, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because if you're ever going to get to the place, listen, to change your thinking from negative to positive, the way it starts is by praising God for little things. We will never have a positive mental attitude until and unless we start practicing praising God for little things. It could be a ring on your finger. It could be that you had soap to wash your hands this morning. It could be simply because you took a breath and you realize you were alive. I'm talking about simple things, the things that it's easy for us to forget. On our way to removing this grasshopper mentality, we have to start believing that there are little things in our lives that we are no longer gonna take for granted. I wanna thank God. I wanna thank him for the salt that's on the table. I wanna thank him for the sugar. I may not be able to eat it all, but I got to thank him because it sweetens things and the salt flavors things. And I want to thank him for restaurants, and I want to thank him for service. I want to thank him for a job. I want to thank him because he gives me the strength to go to work. I want to thank him because when I get in my car to come back, I can turn on the radio, I can listen. To, uh, is there something you can thank God for? everybody. We can thank God. There's something that we can thank God for. You may not have been able to thank God for everything that I mentioned. It doesn't matter. There is something that you can thank God for. And if you're willing to refuse to let these grapes be taken for granted, in fact, you're going to learn how to be grateful. Um, You know, when you spend a whole week working on a sermon, it's kind of, your mind gets a little lost somewhere. Lord, I want to be Grateful, because if I can be grateful for the little things that I have in my life, then my mind, my mind starts to become positive. Second thing: to change your thinking, and it's going to seem silly, but it's not. It's profound. Where did God put those grapes? The spies were in the Holy Land which was not called the Holy Land at the time, Canaan Land. And they brought the grapes into the congregation of the children of Israel. God put the grapes, he put those grapes in the middle of a mess. The grapes were surrounded by the enemy. They were enemy all around. That's where God puts your blessings. That's where God puts your promise. The promises that God has made to you if you're ever going to receive the promise, you've got to go to the place where God put it. And the place where God put your promise is where the enemy lives. And you know why that's good? Because there are some people that live with the mentality they're always looking for some kind of fairy tale existence. They, just want, they, want, to, they want to live their lives uh, the, the, just like the comic book, it's just like the storybook. And, and the truth of the matter is, there is no fairy tale. Life is real. And when life comes, it comes to you with promise and with problem. And you can't separate the two. got to take one with the other. When God put your blessings out there, God put them where the enemy exists. And you got to be willing to go where the problem is in order to take the promise that God has for you. If God has promised you joy, listen to me. If God has promised you joy, you just may find it in some sorrow. If God has promised you peace, you just may find that peace in strife. If God has promised you patience, you just may find that patience in tribulation. Isn't that what the Bible says? It's in tribulation that we find peace, patience, the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's in trouble. If you're going to get the blessing of God, if you're going to get the promise of God, if you want to enjoy the fruit that God has for you, if you want the grapes, you got to go where the grapes are. And the grapes are in enemy territory. You want a rose? you got to deal with the thorns. I'd like the rose without the thorns. But that's the way they grow. This is the reality of life. I cannot separate the two. If I want... The beauty, I gotta be willing to go to where the ugly is in order to get. You know why this is good, good mentality? Because when a when a person starts thinking that that they ought to have a problem free life, that they want a problem free life, they demand a problem free life, you know what they're doing? They're guaranteeing frustration. Guaranteeing they're gonna live with frustration. Because if we, if we lose our ability to expect what it is that's really out there, then we will be expecting things that don't come. If you're expecting the promise of God, you've got to expect it in the place where God put it, and God put it where the problem is. Problem-free living doesn't exist. We want it. Lord, I want some peace in the valley. That's what I want. I've got to have some peace. Moonlight and roses. I just, got, I just love all the things that people want. How wonderful it would be if I could just have oh, this. Oh, give me a home yeah. Where the buffalo roam Where the deer and, and the and antelope, antelope play. play You know, that's a wonderful song. Where seldom is he heard A discouraging he heard word And the skies In are the not cloudy, cloudy all day You're not gonna find that on planet Earth. It's a wonderful song. It's cute. But if you expect to find that, then you'll be frustrated. And so we need to learn how to change our thinking. I cannot live my life expecting a fairy tale, cause it doesn't exist except in books. Number one, step number one, praise them for the little things. If you wanna change your thinking, You want your thinking to be positive. You want to get rid of the grasshopper mentality. Praise him for little things. Does that make sense? Number two, expect problems and you won't be disappointed. That doesn't mean you're looking for problems. It doesn't mean that you only feel comfortable when there are problems. What it means is I live in a real world. I need real expectations. And the reality is that the promises of God are mixed in with the problems of life. Step number three, in changing your thinking. Again, this may seem silly, but it's profound. You ready? When you eat a grape, put that grape in your mouth. Grasshoppers, they will jump on the vine and eat the leaves. They never eat grapes. So if you eat a grape, you're no grasshopper. If you eat grapes, it means you're not a grasshopper. Because grasshoppers don't eat grapes. So every time you put a grape, and maybe it'll be a month from now, a year from now, you're sitting at a table and there's some grape served to you, and you reach over and you pick up a grape, you'll remember the sermon that was preached, and maybe it'll bless you in this way. Remember the pastor said that if you eat a grape, you can't be a grasshopper. You have been listening to Pastor Joe at Sunlight Christian Center. We are located in beautiful downtown Orange, just one block north of the Chapman Circle at 172 North Gliselle Street.